unique experience mm-hmm. growing up, and you didn't necessarily follow what is the stereotypical trajectory. We've had some conversations before, and I thought it was, I thought it would be helpful for you to share your perspective because I realized um, you don't hear this happening in terms of an actual conversation much, but you hear people alluding to it. Right. So we'll get more to your experience, but just to kind of preface our discussion. Um, I know that in terms of blackness, or being black, depending on who you ask, certain people attach certain things to that. Mm -hmm. So you may have some people that lean more toward negative stereotypes. So you say black male and they may think thug, they may think aggressive, they may think rap music. I think about in college, I, um, I went to a majority white school. And one morning I was getting ready as I do now, I had waves. So I had put on a do-rag in the morning, and I typically wear it for about 20, 30 minutes before I go out so that my hair is fresh. So I'm walking around with the do-rag on. I don't intend to wear it outside. And one of my white floor mates said, oh, are you going to the hood today? And I was like, and even the other white guys on the floor were like, oh, like everybody just went to their room, and we just had to move on. Whew. So that's some waves that some white people may view it. But those same expectations come from black people, too. There's mm-hmm. certain things that certain black people expect of other black people. And when people don't fit within that, it could, a lot of different things could happen. So that's kind of how we're going to preface this, this idea of what is black. So, I mean, honestly, I didn't even know how to get waves until college. Like, I thought really? I, I was like, do, does, does my hair just not do that? Oh like yeah, it does that. Of course it does. Yeah, that. I didn't know. It's for us, by us, like Fubu. I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. See. All right. So even that, I think some listeners will be like, "What? How do you not know that?" So they probably need to know your background. That's so right. Let's give some context. I am from Cary. Cary, North, North Carolina. Carolina. All right. right. So I know about Cary, but we have listeners from different places. So help them understand the environment. What kind of neighborhood, town, city? What's Cary like? Okay. So is it like South Central? <laughs> um. My, my I, I like to talk in metaphors often. So if you if you've seen the show Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. uh is it is placed it, it, it takes place in a small town of pa- of Pawnee. And there is a there's a town to town rivalry between Pawnee and Eagleton. And Eagleton is it is like the lawns are perfectly manicured, there's white picket fences, HOAs. Uh, all niceties abound, mm-hmm. and uh, that is Carrie. So, um, so not South Central. No, not South Central. <laughs> no, that's that's another planet. Yeah, yeah. Compared to Carrie, okay. So Carrie, would you say upper middle class mm-hmm. neighborhood? Upper middle class. I mean, so it's it's really close to uh, RTP, which uh, for those that aren't aware, it's yeah. R- RTP is almost like, uh, and is and is becoming. Silicon Valley, but on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, That's Research Triangle Park. Yes, uh, Apple will be moving there in several, several years. Mm-hmm. It's just announced. So a lot of people that have prominent jobs in RTP, um, as as 
the, the business park started to develop, they moved to Mooresville and Cary, which are n right next to each other. Mm -hmm. um, so because of that, yeah, you've had a lot of upper middle class um, individuals, and that's, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very affluent um, city mm -hmm. and, or town, call it a town, but, um, so I think living there uh, definitely, it's like a bubble, <laughs> I would say, um, and, and I, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I don't, wanted to grow up <laughs> in South Central. Yeah. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm definitely thankful that I, d I did grow up there because, I mean, it was, it was very safe. Mm -hmm. um, but I think ha having had that experience, it, uh, I didn't necessarily see a lot of people, or I mean, just I didn't, I didn't see a lot of black kids. Um, okay. So Carrie, you say majority white area? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you were one of few black families in there, at least. I mean, definitely in my neighborhood that I that I knew of, um, and and then at the school that I went to, um, I mean, and, and and so I did uh, end up going to a small smaller private Christian school, and starting in third grade, and went there from third through graduation, and I was almost the first, I was almost the first black kid to graduate from the school. One brother just snuck in before he you snuck in you didn't get that my honor. junior year, and I was like, "Man, you don't know how hard." He took your honor. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> okay, so you have upwardly mobile neighborhood, yeah. uh, town carry. Um, outside of the town, what was your home dynamic like? Uh, well, um, my, I mean, two parents, <laughs> mom and dad, and a younger sister. Uh both, I mean, uh, grew up in a Christian home. Um, I, so I was sick a lot as a kid, unfortunately. Um, so um, also because of that, I, I, it, it's like when, when you're sick a lot, it, it's like you, you almost don't even feel control of your body. So it's, 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 I think as a kid, you, it's, it's, it's almost harder for you to come into and uh, you're h harder for you to come into yourself and your identity when you're, it's like you, you constantly physically don't even feel well. So it's like emotionally and mentally, it, it, it takes more time, I, I, at least I think. Um, but even despite all that, uh, I think my parents, I mean, my parents were super loving, super supportive and, and did everything they could to help me um, and try to put me on a path that would, uh, in their eyes and in the world's eyes, which would be successful. Um, and then, but then give me a spiritual foundation to help navigate this world because it's, it's not. Mm -hmm. So my assumption would be, if you're living in this more upperly mobile area, mm -hmm. your parents probably were a little more affluent than the average family. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we were, I mean, geez, we weren't the Huxtables, but <laughs> like, <Okay>. we <laughs> like, I, I know that like both my parents had degrees in computer science um, and I mean my, my mom at, at one point uh, held her PMP and um, my dad worked in multiple different uh, IT professions or, or IT uh, businesses um, and so they, I mean they they're 
highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think growing growing up in that, it's like you, I mean, they both went to college. I don't know if they said that, but uh, knowing that that was kind of, that was, it was, it was kind of like what you, you, you do, like you, you go to school and, and you do well in school and, and that puts you into position to go to a good college so that you know you don't have to get set up mm-hmm. and that's i mean that's that's how it is in carry you know th- it has some of the uh best rated s- schools in the state in the country um and, and so i mean even being at my private christian school um it was incredibly competitive um there were there were multiple kids uh from from my school that had full rides to some of the best schools in the nation and including some of the best schools in the state so we had to we had to be on our a game mm-hmm. i wasn't i was like a b student but okay. <laughs> yeah i still did okay so you you might have already said this that small christian school you went to mm-hmm. if it's in carry my assumption is the school's a majority white school too it was so what was that like being the minority the black guy or one of black people in a majority white school uh well i think that like something that i i was taught in from from church and 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 i mean from my family and in school is that like you know your identity is found in in christ first like that's your foundation and then everything else is kind of added on to that and so i think being at the school um i got a great sense of of i mean i i I think i think it 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 definitely equipped and strengthened my knowledge of my foundation being Christ is the root of my identity. Um, I mean, I would I would equate it to almost like a pre-seminary education in 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 Christianity and religion and logic and rhetoric. Um, but I think as a black student, it was it was it was it wasn't always easy to navigate because I think that there were a lot of students there that maybe had a perception or an idea of what a quote-unquote black kid was and how they were merely supposed to be. And, I mean, I was kind of a geek. I mean, I was like, I was like shorter than everybody. I was, I was, I mean, I was sick a lot. And, I mean, I liked like comic books and video games and I mean, I, I love music, um, and I, I play tennis. <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't play. I didn't play basketball. I didn't play football. I play tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I had like strong Arthur Ashe vibes out there. But yeah. so I mean, it, it, I don't think I fit the quote unquote stereotype or the perception of what a lot of your white peers had. Yeah. Okay. But so how did they express that to you? Um, I, you know, it, like, no one was, re- no one was really, like, overtly racist, like, that's, I mean, I just, 
wasn't happening. Um, but I think it was a lot of like, you know, kids asking me questions about things that they assumed I knew. And just, I didn't. And it kind of put me in this weird headspace, like, why, why don't I know that? Like, why, why, why don't I know the lyrics to this, this rap song? Or why don't I know all the stats of this basketball player or this football player? Or um, why, why aren't I familiar with this movie that I, I guess you've seen it, but I haven't seen it. Um, so, I mean, just kind of like things that I think they would uh, generally associate with what is quote-unquote mainstream black culture, like I just didn't necessarily know about. Not saying that the white people knew about it, but are you saying that you had not seen Friday? Oh, Lord, help me see my black mom. Are these people... Mm. No, I did not see Friday. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I have, yes. Okay, yes. much later, though. Much later. Okay. <laughs> Once again, those yeah. expectations. See? So, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, though. It's okay. So, so they expected you to know about certain things because they saw those things as black things. Right. But it didn't necessarily fit what your experience was. Yeah. Okay. So, what about, um, obviously, there was more to life than school. If white people are looking at you in this way, what were your experiences with other black people? <laughs> um, I mean, so, a lot of the... Uh, I mean, I, I went to a, a very diverse church um, for most of my formative years. So it was really cool just being in a place where, I mean, you just saw people from every every single country mm -hmm. that I can think of. Um, so, and at least at church, like, you know, I, I would maybe see different perspectives or, or different, um, just, just different types of, you know, kids interacting, but from my extended family, that was more of the culture shock, I think, to me, because, I mean, I, I, there, there are even points where, like, I, I, I vividly remember the story from uh, when we were in Savannah, and one of my cousins asked my sister, like, why do you talk white? And, and my sister was maybe 10? And <laughs> she just qu quickly clapped back. Well, it's like she was like, well, "Why do you talk black?" <laughs> okay. And it's just like, what, like, what did that even mean? Mm, okay. And, and, and so, I mean, I, I, and so I think it was even more apparent, like, going to see my extended family sometimes, because I think, I mean, they obviously weren't in more white spaces. Mm. I, I, at least I, I, I think so. Um, they had more, like my cousins especially, had just had more knowledge of quote unquote black culture, yeah. And and so, I, I, I even though we're like we're family, like we're we're bonded, it, it there were times where we I think I felt more like a fish out of water even there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, thankfully we did. Like my cousins, and I, my cousins and I um, still had things that definitely bonded us and gained, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, even even some of those experiences were were dif just different. Mm -hmm. So extended family, uh, obviously still black people, but living in more predominantly black areas. Yeah, and they also tend to have those competencies as it relates to what is seen as black 
Right. Okay. So what about dating? Hmm. What was that like? Um, well, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> dating was not easy. Um, I mean, I think that I mean, for a while, I really just, I just didn't know how to talk to girls. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens. For sure. Yeah. I'm happily married now. Um, See, you made it. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I mean, I, most of the girls that I was um, around growing up, I mean, they, they were white girls. Um, and so, I mean, that's like, even, even like, white girls aren't a monolith. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no one is a monolith. Um, but I think that, um, I think w- like once I got to college, I, I you know, saw you know, so many different types of, of women. So, I mean, I, I, I did talk to and attempt to talk to other types of, I mean, other races, other races. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think with my experience, though, it was harder to talk to black girls. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I guess it was just because of because I didn't have a lot of the shared maybe experiences that they had. Maybe, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, or I, I didn't come off a certain way um, like maybe other, other black men did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think that, I mean, dating was always hard, but I, I tended to, attempt to date more white women. Yeah. So what makes you think, because I'm just trying to get at what, what happened or what went down, what makes you think, or how do you know, mm-hmm. or how have you gathered that you weren't fitting what some of the black women you communicated with were expecting of a black man? How did you even know that? Um, I think just, I'm, 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 I'm very much an introvert, number one, and so when I um, when I go into social situations, like I'm I'm more so listening and observing than you know gonna be in the middle of a room just talking. And so I, I think when I would try and go into uh spaces even you know, in college where, you know, there were just majority black spaces, like I just didn't look like a lot of the guys that were there. Like I You're talking about dress. Like Attire. like dress okay. and and th- I mean, even 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 the way I carried myself, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I was a shorter dude, <laughs> um, but but just, and, and I don't know if it was it was confidence or, or I, I I just I I don't know, um, and so I, I think that like just observing, like I I just it w- it was it was just almost like I, I I don't fit, and then when I would try and talk to them about about things like things didn't just I mean I mean the the fact that you know, I haven't seen Friday since you know, years back um, just very like very culturally black things mm-hmm. I wasn't able to identify with mm-hmm. um, and so that I think that maybe was a stumbling block mm-hmm. so what about um as far as your views of the world, mm-hmm. um, obviously you're having these unique experiences. There's some pushing back on how you should be, 
Um, and then I'm not even sure what their views were, but I imagine your parents raising a family in this environment may be a unique experience for them. So how do you feel like all these things together shape how you view things? Because obviously people were projecting onto you how they view the world. But now how did this then affect your development? Well, I think that my view of the world is, um, I, I think I try to, I, I think I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt um, as, as, as often as I can. Um, is that because you felt like it wasn't given to you or um, was that just a norm? I, I think that's, that? I think that's definitely how I wanted to be treated growing up. Um, and, and in a lot of cases I was, but I mean, in, in, in situations where I just felt like an alien, then yeah, I, I, I definitely want to give people that space to to be themselves and get to know them for who they are, not for who I may perceive them to be. Um, but in, in terms of my view of the world, I, I think when with with people trying to be or with 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 things being so polarizing, I I, I I think all of my experiences have taught me to go there's 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 more than two there's 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 more than one side to every situation, every person. Um, everyone has things that have shaped and influenced them um, in a way that may not seem stereotypical or normal. Um, so I try to keep an open mind about who people are and what their motives are. And um, I mean, that's. <laughs> so you said that one of your cousins asked your sister why she thought white. Mm -hmm. I think back to. Um, well, it's interesting because I wasn't raised in that type of environment. I was always around majority black people, mm -hmm. but I think my parents spoke to me as an adult, even when I was a child, so I just was more articulate. So for a brief while, the kids at school, when I first went to school, like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, might have said that to me too, you know, why are you talking white? Um, but then it's interesting, when I got to my white college in the South, those white people definitely didn't think I was <laughs> you know, they definitely didn't. So I think it's all about perspective and context because I, I led with, I mean, I wasn't necessarily trying to assimilate. Right. I wanted to be who I was, um, regardless of where I go. Now, I say that because I know that one, back in the day, there was a term used, they don't use it anymore. I don't really hear it, but did you ever get, or did your sister, did you guys ever get called an Oreo? Oh my did gosh. Did that come up? Yes. And it used to, it used to tick me off too, just because I'm like, I, it, I, 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 I think it almost discounts, it, 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 it almost discounts a part of who I am. Because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming everyone that is listening to this knows what an Oreo is. But for those that mm -hmm. don't, when 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 you're called an Oreo, it, the the 
it's 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 that you're black on the outside but white on the inside, mm-hmm. hence the cookie. Right. Um, but I I mean I wasn't white on the outside or on the inside. I mean mostly pink on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like wh- why why are you wh- why would you essentially boil down my cultural identity to being something that it necessarily isn't just because I don't look like mm-hmm. yeah if you only see chocolate chip cookies and you see me and I look like an Oreo to you I, I, I that doesn't mean I'm an Oreo mm-hmm. um, I think Obviously, it's you know it's, it's kids running their mouths and not necessarily being able oh, to fully articulate it. But I do think it was more so an attempt to get at I notice a cultural difference. I think the mistake in it though was that you may notice a cultural difference, but I don't think it's fair to attribute certain things as white cultural things. Right. Kind of like talking white assumes that white people have a monopoly on. Speaking correctly, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not necessarily a white thing, although it may be different than what you're familiar with. So, I mean, I love everybody, but you can't give white people that credit. No. And I feel like outside of the speaking things, too, what are some of the other things? Well, I guess like, my, my, like tennis, like that may not be considered a black sport in terms of young black boys growing up. But at the same time, I don't know if you can say playing tennis is white either no i mean i think that it was you know it it was obviously a sport invented by white people but it's not like i don't don't think necessarily any race may have a monopoly right on i mean on an activity yeah um i'm and and so i mean like yeah i but even often (laughs) i mean especially because I was in a, like a private school, I mean, in a lot of the schools that we played, I was often the only black kid out there playing tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was also that was also interesting to see and and, and deal with and and I mean, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I, I I I can think back to even being called Ashley Larry on the bus. Um, so who? <laughs> wait, you, how did the white people know about Ashley Larry? <laughs> So they were watching Chappelle. They show. were watching Chappelle <laughs> show. <laughs> okay, well, hey, that's a, that's a unique experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think well, yeah, Chappelle kind of transcended black people after a certain point. Yeah, he's well, he started actually, I think, like with half baked. So he, uh, I think, had a white audience first. Yeah. Interestingly enough, he's but a now goat. He's, he's seen as this, <laughs> you know, unapologetically black comedian. But yeah, so what about um, the nuance? I want to get to the nuance, right? Yeah. So in today's culture, in terms of black and white, um, quote unquote, the Oreos of today uh, are seen in our culture as conservative Republican black people. Mm. They get the flack for being not black enough, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So you you think of a Candace Owens, uh, you think of um, Ben Carson. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I understand that for some, uh, 
their views on certain things may be seen as problematic or not necessarily supportive to black people. Right. So I get some of the nuance there too, but I do want to try to get to the idea of not every black person that doesn't fit within what you perceive as normal cultural blackness is the extreme of those people. Right. Because, I mean, we've spoken a little bit, you wouldn't necessarily, even with your unique experience being in a majority white setting, you wouldn't necessarily identify with the Candace Owens, the Clarence Thomases of the world. No. Could you shed some more light on your views? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I grew up in a ma- in, in, in a very conservative home, and I still have, I would still say that I have mainly conservative values, but I think with the experiences that I've had, you know, in college and then post college, I mean, like, I mean, I, I've been to, uh, I've been, I've been on, on missions and in, in different spaces in, in South America and Central America, and then I've also spent time um, in Southeast Raleigh and um, just spaces that may have that that didn't look like Cary, right? That mm-hmm. didn't have the the affluence that Cary has. Um, and, and spent time with people. And I think that my, my, you know, my views on the world are, in, are informed by, like, people aren't, people don't necessarily have to be polarized. Like, like I, 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 can, I, can, I can be fiscally conservative and socially liberal, and I know that may irk some people, but I think that like not everyone's experience is the same and and I think that there are some conservatives that think that the way they think will quote unquote benefit black people and then the exact liberal opposite liberal side is that they think that their views are going to be the thing that's going to be the best thing for quote unquote black people but I I I think that it it really depends on the situation and on the context of where people are and that there isn't enough listening um, that goes on. There's mm-hmm. too much There's too much pointing and too many definitive statements being made without there being enough grace and the ability to step into someone else's shoes and go, huh. Hi, my name is Malik Blade, and I'm the CEO of the Whole Brother Mission. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We're a nonprofit offering men assisted access to counseling and therapy nationwide, and we cover fees where needed. Women can receive referrals, too. We have a goal of $31,000 by May 31st. Previous donors include Charlemagne the God of the Breakfast Club and Judge Lynn Toller of Marriage Boot Camp and Divorce Court. You can learn more at the GoFundMe button on our website homepage at wholebrothermission.com an immediate need right now, I'm not going to make it long term. Um, so I, I, I just, I, I think that even though I definitely grew up conservative and, and maybe had, had more liberal experiences, it's just made me more nuanced and, and um, hopefully able to be more things to more people. So what was your initial response to Black Lives Matter? I agree strongly with the sentiment, of course. 
I don't necessarily agree fully with a lot of the um, tenets of the official organization. Um, and I, th I think that is kind of coming from that, that stems from my more conservative values and more of my um, values as a, as a Christian. But as a whole, yes, black lives absolutely do matter. And we do need to see them just as important as um, white lives or Hispanic lives or Asian lives or Native American lives or any, any lives. Um, but I think in our country, um, that has been something that has been definitely Mm. not it hasn't been interpreted well obviously with yeah. history mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big history buff and so I the, the more you learn about history it's mm -hmm. like oh wow <laughs> yeah what do you think about well your initial response to and your thoughts on the bickering as it relates to Kaepernick kneeling oh gosh um I don't think people understood why he was kneeling. Like truth, truthfully, I, 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 I have multiple, uh, almost all, all my, all, all my, my. Er, so I've, I've got three grandfathers. Unique situation, but I love them all, um, and they were all in the military. Um, I, th I think, and, and most of my uncles were in the military. Um, one of my uncles is is a police officer, and and so, uh, in 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 no way, shape, or form do I want to disrespect um, or trample on or do anything that would that would disrespect those organizations or or those 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 entities because their their job is to their job is is supposed to be to help serve and protect people. But Kaepernick kneeling was not about that. And I think that the, I mean, football, the, the, the cultural zeitgeist of football in America is, is that's another topic. So you know they're going to call you Oreo for saying zeitgeist. Oh, I don't care. Go <laughs> <laughs> ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, like that, that is, that, that, that is, the, I mean, that, that's, football is almost a religion. And, and 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 so I think that when he interrupted that mm -hmm. to try and bring uh, to tr to try and bring a light onto a really sensitive topic, yeah, and even a critique, right? A, a yeah. Exactly, a critique. Mm -hmm. It it and and he he wasn't hurting nobody. It was peaceful. He, I mean. The reaction was like he was hurting somebody. Right, it's like it's like <laughs> like he like punched their kid or something. Yeah. He in and, yeah. and, and I mean I, I remember in soccer, because um, that was another sport I played as as a kid was like when 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 something bad happened like when, when a kid got hurt, um, or or when when there was like a moment where we needed to be serious whether it's a game or practice, we kneeled. Mm -hmm. We didn't you know salute. Um. But so it's it's like he I think he was he he wasn't trying to be disrespectful of quote unquote the flag. Mm -hmm. um, I think he was trying to bring attention to an area. And also, if you if you read the history of the national anthem, 
there's a verse in there that I, I don't know many people know about, but it's essentially alluding to how good it was that the the soldiers, the black soldiers that were fighting for the British because of the contract that the British told black soldiers that, hey, you fight for us, we'll, we'll help you out. Um, but in there's, there's a third verse in there that's highly racist, um, and I'm not going to uh, go into it now, but, I mean, there's, like, I think that, like, even just the national anthem to me just kind of proves the point of things are super nuanced. I love our country. I love what it it can be and what it should be. Um, but, I mean, there's things that have happened that we have to reckon with, and um, we can't brush it aside. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with microaggressions or racist statements or actions from white people in your field? Mm. <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Um, but just from, I know, once again, the critique for the Candace Owens type of people, black people that uh, are in more white spaces, mm -hmm. is that they're so focused on assimilating that they kind of lay aside their blackness and kind of make room for white people to just go buck wild with problematic things. Yeah. So I was just wondering, how have you thought through that? Uh, well, I think for a while, I mean, I think that it was easier for me to take the, the approach of just assimilating because, I mean, it's having to do the mental gymnastics of code switching and explaining racism. Expl yeah, just explaining things. Revisionist history. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, this is, this is exhausting. Like, let me just not even. It's easier to just yeah. fall back. Yeah. But I, I think as I became more just secure in who I was and um, how I deal with it now is I, I think, I mean, it's almost like just kind of letting a wave pass over you. It's still going to affect me, but it doesn't mean I have to have maybe an outward expression of it or it's, it's I think it's something that I can internalize and then release in the proper context by talking to mentors and people that I trust and um, therapy and, and prayer. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, having those safe spaces to process those difficult things, I think is, is super important. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had even at work, I've had micro aggressions that just kind of made me go, huh, did you, did you really understand what you were saying when you said that to me? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like, I can choose. I can choose to have a really, really sensitive reaction to it, and I, th I, th I think if, if as a as a black man in America, I can be mad about something all the time, every yeah. day. Meaning, there's no lack of things. Yeah. Frustration. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Goodness. Um, I remember being at work. When and hearing about Eric Garner on Twitter, and just I, I like I couldn't even like I, I I don't think 
there were there was like there wasn't a space for me to process that. I had to go into the bathroom and I just bust out, bust out in tears and broke down, and I had to collect myself and come back, and and then process that in in, in a different space. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that in part because you felt like you really couldn't open up that conversation with your white colleagues? Yeah, yeah, and and and. I think over time, like just me having the experiences that I've had and, and um, developing real relationships with, with my colleagues and, and getting to know them for who they are and then getting to know me for who they are, for who I am, that has allowed me to have more of these authentic, real conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thankful for that. But that has to start with you pushing aside your preconceived notions of somebody mm-hmm. for who they might be and just be willing to get to know them for who they are because mm-hmm. they are a person and they're deserving of love and dignity. You mentioned a tough conversation. So mm-hmm. you're married. Yes. How long has it been? Uh, it'll be four years in July. Make sure you got that right. Ha-ha! Uh, so <laughs> you're in an interracial marriage. Boom. So in terms of tough conversations, yeah. did you guys have a race or several race conversations before you got ma- engaged? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the summer that we, uh, we, we, we started, uh, dating in December and then the next summer, um, that summer had, a l- had, that, that was like the summer. I think that, w- w- what, what, what year was that? 2018? That was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Or, no, 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 no. No, that was, I'm sorry, it that was 2016. Okay, so what cases were happening, unfortunately? Yeah, I think... Who, who was the hashtag that year? Hashtags that yeah. year. Yeah. I, I, I think the biggest hashtag that year for me was Philando Castile, too. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anywho, um, so, yeah, we had to have, we, we, we had to have, and I think that we've continued to have hard conversations about race and identity because I mean we both I think we both have had the the privilege of having parents that love us and and want wanted us to you know not necessarily form our, our identity and what we look like but quote unquote who we are and 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 the things that the things outside of our race that would define us but that doesn't mean that we get to live in a world where everybody sees it that way so I have to, I, I, I am proud to be black and I am, I'm super, you know, thankful God made me black because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, but like, I, I think that I have to constantly be aware, like I'm black in this situation. I, when we have kids, the world's probably going to see them as black before they see them as white. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that's been, a, uh, I think that even that's been a difficult conversation. Um, because I don't want to give my kids a victim mentality in any way, shape, or form, but I want to, pr- I want to properly prepare them for, there's, I think there's going to be parts of the world that just aren't going to respect you for who you are just because of how you look. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be defined by that. 
And so I think that I'm def I'm, I don't have kids yet. Mm -hmm. um, it's just me and my wife right now. But we're, we're, we're working on those things. And you got to say it like white people. My wife and I. Oh. <laughs> I'm <gonna> smack you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we're 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 definitely uh, navigating um, that road, and and I I I mean I, I I knew going into my marriage that that was gonna be something that I'd have to navigate, and I was I'm 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 ready for it. So, how old are you? Thirty. <laughs> you say it like that. So being 30 now, we, we now have some context for these very unique experiences, mm -hmm. people, perceptions, projections, uh, identity. Where have you landed at 30 on all this in terms of how you see yourself? I think I like myself a little bit more than I did, say, when I was 15. I mean... I think I don't know every if everybody likes themselves at fifteen. I didn't, um, but I think it took me a long time to really come into liking myself and being okay with who I was, just because it was so. I think it was so hard to maybe understand because I was. I mean, I was in a lot of situations where I just. You know, it was only either there was only one of me, like in me being, you know, the only black person, or, um, and 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 just having to wrestle with. Okay, I I I am I'm, I'm in this situation. I'm I'm aware that I'm different in this situation. I don't want it to constantly be affecting me, um, but. Even even in that, there's this like tension of like, oh man, this is this is exhausting, like almost like con constantly being aware that you're different. Um, but now, s now more so than than ever, I I'm comfortable with 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 who I am, and um, I hope that continues to solidify. Um, and I, I I definitely admit that there's things I don't know that I want to grow into. Um, but as a whole, I like me. Uh, in closing, I wanted to get to just how we as a culture look at things, just black culture. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just curious about your thoughts, but here's a, here are mine. I think that uh, black culture does exist. Yeah. But oftentimes black culture is seen through the lens of that person mm -hmm. and what black culture has looked like for them. So even in black culture, it is still very diverse. Um, I think about the differences between me being from Washington, D.C. and then seeing how black people in the South are. I, I couldn't help but notice a difference. You know, like, honestly, being in D.C., we joke about style. We feel like Black people for the South are behind on the South. Just <laughs> being honest. So it's like, what is this, what is this nigga doing? So there's <laughs> that. Um, but then there's also, I think, this reality that uh, culture, black culture, and being black are two different things. Mm. 
So I think a lot of times we'll try to take someone's black skin because they don't fit what we perceive black culture to be mm. instead of realizing that that black person's unique experience is another iteration of black culture. Because you're still, you're still black. Amen. At the end of the day. Yep. You know? So, like, you can't take that from somebody. Now, I understand that we hold to certain cultural things tightly, but at the end of the day, that person is still a black person. And if, I'll, I'll say, frankly, if, if we don't see them as black, whether you saw Friday or not, you get pulled over by a racist officer. <laughs> it's the same result, you know. Ten and so two. So it doesn't even matter whether <laughs> you saw Friday or not. <laughs> so I think we need to look at it from a more of a. I mean, I get you know fraternizing with friends, those cult. You, yeah. you can joke about that stuff, but being real, when we look at this from a ten thousand foot perspective, black is different, mm -hmm. and um, depending on what situation we get put in, before you get to cultural stuff and opinions and views, this is still here, and this isn't, it wasn't a choice either. Right. So that comes with a set of experiences that I think is the commonality of being black, and then there's uh, black culture. Right. And I just think that distinction is important so that we don't get to the point, because I, I, you know, I disagree with 95% of what Candace Owens says, but she's still black. I'm not going to say she's not black. She's black. She has a perspective. Disagree with it. Uh, so I do think that in our pushback or our questioning of things, mm -hmm. we shouldn't try to deny someone's blackness. Or if we want to point out a difference, be more nuanced in how we explain cultural differences rather than saying that someone isn't what they truly are. Exactly. That's my perspective. What do you think about it? I mean, I pretty much agree completely <laughs> with you. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I probably... 80% disagree with what Candace Owens says too, yeah. but I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, nah, she ain't black. Yeah. Because she's, she is. Clearly. Um, yeah. And so there is, there is a somewhat of a legitimacy to the things that she's talking about um, from her cultural identity. Um, so there is something to listen to there and I don't have to take it and internalize it and make it my own view. Mm -hmm. um, but I can at least listen. And mm -hmm. seek to understand. Um, I mean, because even, yeah, yeah. We, we can't we can't take away someone's cultural identity just because we disagree or don't understand how they choose to walk it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And something else I, I noticed is sometimes because we associate. black people that are more around white people mm -hmm. with the extreme version of that person being anti-black that we tend to back people into a corner who just were born in a certain setting and they are who they are. It's not like they made like Candace is one thing because she's choosing to say certain things but it's, there are people that I think I've seen get accosted and who black people gave other black people a hard time when really they were a person that was just born somewhere and happened to be majority white and just being who they are. They don't hate themselves, they don't hate other black people, but they just, it's just where they were born. Right. So I think we gotta get to a point where we legitimize that black experience too, but also support black people that are dealing with the difficulties of that. 
either being black in the majority white space, but also being biracial. Right. Um, embrace those black people as black people with unique experiences rather than otherizing them. Right. Either, I think would be a more healthy step for all of us. Um, I mean, I think we, we, we've had Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois coexist at the same exact time and can gain value from, from both of their perspectives. This is, this is just an example. Like, wh- where has that gone? We're far from it. Yeah. yeah. And now, um, I think those differences of views are one thing, but I'm even more so just getting at the difference of experience mm-hmm. um, and how we need to legitimize everyone's experience and then we can work through some of that, some of those differences. So, um, in, in moving forward, uh, what would you say uh, has been helpful for you in terms of, I guess, offensive violence? Because I do know that you are familiar with extreme examples <laughs> of people that come from where you come from, but probably can't get with how they're moving throughout the world. Yeah. So for you, what do you think was the factor that helped you provide to get to a level of balance to where you're not denying where you came from, but you're not also being so focused on assimilating within white people that you begin to deny and distance yourself from who you are? I think representation definitely matters and seeing people that have I would say similar experiences um, to myself that may in it didn't necessarily grow up at Cary, but just just had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so like seeing those people on on TV or the internet or etc. But then talking to people uh, that have had even just ounces of that similar experience um, has has definitely helped solidify who I am and given me more confidence in that. Um, but, but then also, from I think from maybe quote unquote white friends being able to see me for who I am and not have to put like not putting certain things on me, certain perceptions on me, um, and just just seeing me for who I am, e- you know, blackness and all, but but allowing me to be myself. And then having been in, in more predominantly uh, black spaces as an adult and being, being able to just be myself without any expectation of, of looking a certain way has been a super, this has been a breakthrough for me, I think. Um, so being able to be yourself and know that you're safe matters so much mm-hmm. yeah and very simply I'll put I want us to understand that as black men some of the most visible black men are rappers and athletes mm-hmm. but because they're the most visible I think that then ends up becoming the standard and that doesn't ser- that's not necessarily the case I mean if you want to pursue that by all means but let's not filter as far as black men looking at other black men or black women looking at black men 
don't filter us through the lens of proximity to a rapper or an artist. I do think that would help for us. But I thank you for sharing your experience. Uh, appreciate it. I think it, it's needed. Look forward to having more conversations. And I hope, um, I hope what you shared has been helpful to somebody else who's kind of like, yo, I was born where I was born. <laughs> Stop the projection. <laughs> Just trying to get some peace. So hopefully that guy listening will feel a little relieved today. Yeah, I want to say zeitgeist again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem, man.